Welcome to our final panel of the day. How y'all feeling? Y'all panel, y'all paneled out. Y'all good? I really, uh, I'm really excited about the conversations that we've been having today. This room has been uh, truly energized and electric, um, with all types of exciting people from Austin and around the country. Testing. Um, none is probably going to be as exciting electrifying as the individual I'm about to introduce. Um, he's going he's gonna to explain this. He's got, he's got all types of uh, incredible story to tell y'all about his connection with water and our connection with water. Um, you know, we as a, as a people, as a human race on this planet, there's no more important resource than water, right? And we are facing a lot of complex issues surrounding water. And he's got some solutions to that. And so we want to just open the floor to our friend, Moses West. Make some noise, y'all. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Can you all hear me? Yeah. All right. My name is Moses West. Uh, I was born in Georgia. I grew up in Germany. Uh, my dad was in the military, so I got to live in uh, Germany at the end of World War II uh, when it was still being built up, so I got to see that. And I uh, got to see the Berlin Wall come up, and I got to see it come down because I was in the military as well in the hospital there recovering from injuries received in the Gulf War. I'm a 100% combat disabled vet. I got three years of combat time, and I'm a Texas vet as well. I joined the military here. I came to Texas in 1968 uh, with my mom and dad. My dad was in the military, like I told you. Graduated from Trinity University in San Antonio. And when I was living in Texas, there was something that we always talked about or studied about in school, and that thing was called the Edwards Underground Aquifer. And I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember something called pearl beer. It, we used to drink it because it tasted like water, like bubble water. And so, Pearl Beer, they had this, um, they had this uh, advertising campaign, and they called Texas the land of a thousand springs. When I was a little kid, I used to walk in the woods, we would come across these streams where water was popping out of the ground, where you could just drink from these little springs coming out of the ground. On base, we had these places where these big pipes came up, and water would shoot out 15 feet before it even turned down to go into Slotto Creek. People don't remember that, but I do. And we would jump in the water there because we could see the water moccasins if they came that way. And there was too much noise. We could see the gar, we could see all the fish. So Slotto Creek was a place where we went and swam. And then down behind Incarnate Word, there was a thing called the Blue Hole. And there's this concrete thing built around it at Incarnate Word College. And when Brackenridge built his house, the reason he put this concrete thing around it was because that water used to shoot so far in the air, it made so much noise that Brackenridge, who Brackenridge Park is named after by the Brackenridge house where the fathers at Incarnate Word live today, down the hill from that, that thing now used to spray water 20 feet in the air, concrete thing built around it that Brackenridge put there because he couldn't sleep at night. That thing now is a sewer hole. When it rains today, the water that runs down the streets and, and from all around the almost basin runs down into our aquifer. 
Every place where there used to be a spring when I was a kid, I remember these places, and some of these places you go through the woods that used to be pristine. Now I walk through those woods and I see plastic bags, paper, styrofoam cups, tin cans, uh, paper up in the trees, and nobody goes in these woods anymore. But all those little holes I find, and up at Camp Bullis as well, I know where there are a bunch of them up there as well, whenever it rains, that water is going into the aquifer. And so as a kid, remembering how important water was, I started to think and concentrate on what I could do to make uh, a world more sustainable with water. So before I started using the mechanical skills I had, because I was a test pilot in the military, all that stuff is on the back burner. I'm a commercial pilot as well. I don't fly anymore, but sometimes I do. When I get bored and need something to do, I'll go renew my license and go fly for a bit. But I, was, I started thinking about cistern systems. When 9-11 happened, I was in Australia, and I was living in a house up in the in Kurjong Heights, and I had a cistern under my house. When it would rain, that cistern would fill up. It was about the size of Olympic swimming pool. It's about a 5,000 square foot house. It was nice, good exchange rate over in Australia. So the bottom of my house had an Olympic swimming pool full of water. I never ran out of water. So I thought to myself in the 11 years that I was living there before I came back to the United States, a lot of stuff happened in between there. We don't need to get into all that. But Australia was my home. And so I decided I'm gonna study this cistern system and I'm gonna come back to Texas and I'm gonna put these systems in homes in Texas. In Australia, they would have big tanks outside the buildings, water would run off the roof, go into the tanks. And so then Germany had a bunch of uh, different add-ons to cistern systems. So I actually went to Germany and stayed for another year to study that and see how that would work. And so then when I came, well, was coming back to Texas, I stayed for a little bit. I tried to get it started, and nothing bit. No one wanted to hear about it. Everybody's talking about the aquifer is just fine. So I packed up again and I went back to Australia. I said, okay, I'll just stay in Australia now. I'm not coming back to the United States. I'll make this my home. And so when I was in Australia, I came back through, I met someone in Hawaii, and when I was in Hawaii, we came, we came there, we are just hanging out, one of, the, one of the neighbors had this little machine in their house that made water, it pulled it out of the air. It pulled it out of the air. It was a little machine, it was made in China, and so as I was sitting in his house, he says, Moses, try this. I tried to take a drink of this water, and it was absolutely fantastic. And I was thinking, this water just evaporated out of his toilet, his sink, he's breathing it, and it's condensing it. But when you study science, you know that that H2O molecule, even if it's in, even if it's in urine or sewage, when that H2O molecule comes off, it's only an H2O molecule. It's water again. Like you hear people talk about, we're drinking dinosaur pee because we've had the same amount of water in the world forever. It hasn't changed. The same amount of water here has been here since for, for billions of years. It's just recycled over and over and over again, and it sits in this thing called the troposphere. So when I'm sitting in the house and I'm drinking evaporated toilet water out of this guy's machine, I'm thinking, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. And I thought to myself, geez, man, if I was only five inches tall and I had a machine like this, that would be the answer to my problem. But I need to make a machine that big. So then I went back to those mechanical skills I learned as a test pilot, and I went back to the 
attitude that you have of growing up in Texas. Texas can do anything. Everything's bigger and better in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all get that one. <laughs> so I said to myself, if somebody can make a little one in China, I can take my butt back to Texas and I can make a big one. And I did. So I packed my ass up and I went back to Texas. When I got to Texas, I was sitting there and I, I ran around and I was trying to get everybody to try to understand this magnificent idea I had. I said, look, 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 look. There's so much, there's so much moisture in the atmosphere. You guys got to listen to me. I could hear crickets. And so the, the, everybody said, hey, do you have any intellectual property? And I said, no, I just thought of this thing. I don't have intellectual property. I just thought of it. But the water's there, man. Look at your glass. It's condensing on your glass. I'm a black man running around in the state of Texas telling people I got something that's going to save their lives. And I'm wearing my bicycle pants and my bicycle shoes and a colorful shirt. I look like, uh, I don't know, like a bicycling elf. <laughs> but that's how I got around, because I could get around faster on my bike. And I'll never forget, one day I went to Camp Mabry. I was living here in Austin, and I shot over to the base. And I was like, okay. I stopped driving my car, because when you drive your car, you got to find parking. you got to walk down the street. you got to put up with everybody on the roads here. So I rode my bike. So I rode my bike over to Camp Mabry, and I rode into the, uh, went and knocked on the colonel's door. I told the adjutant, hey, can I, can I see the colonel? And he goes, for what? I said, well, my Captain West, I just want to see him. I got this idea. So I went to the, okay, knowing that the military might be interested in this, so I went and I pitched the idea to him that I had a, I had a, a possibility to build a machine that could pull water out of the air. And then he told me, the colonel said, you know what? That sounds pretty good. If you could go over there and convince the civilian engineer of the idea, he goes, then I'll, I'll, I'll back you on that. And I said, cool. Always go to the places you know, the United States military. And so the, the engineer said, yeah, we can do that. I might back that. So you just have to go down and convince this guy at Texas A&M. I said, sure. Put some clothes on, of course, Texas A&M. Went down. And I talked to a guy, I can't remember his name now. But we sat there and we talked about it. He goes, that sounds like a novel idea. Now, you, if you have an energy consumption that's of a certain level, this will be good, and we could do it. I still didn't have a machine, and I still didn't have a patent. So I ran home, I sat down, and I thought about how, how I could do it. I Googled every machine that I could find. Every machine in China, every machine in Germany, Korea, Japan, anyone who had ever done anything big like this. And I started finding these machines that had 10 compressors. I mean, if you turn the thing on, the lights in the building would <laughs> go down, and it would make you 100 gallons of water. Then I found a company that was in Spain, and they had this machine. And I said, you know what? This machine looks like it might be the machine that would do it. So I was calling and talking to all these people at the same time while I started writing a patent. I started writing a patent on this technology. So this machine said it could do this much. So I made a circle, and I put all these machines around in the circle. And then there was a pool in the middle. Each machine would make 1,000 gallons of water. It would flow down and go into this big pool right here in the middle. And then that pool would pump it out to people's houses. Solar panels would be here, and all these machines would work. <laughs> 
And all these machines would be the size of maybe a 53-foot trailer or, or a 20-foot ISO in this circle and flow in. You can still see those pictures online. And so that was the idea. So it was a process pattern. So I got to work. I drew up all the pictures, did everything, did the engineering, filed it. And guess what? I got a patent. They issued me a process patent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So it's like everybody says, oh, you can't do that. Never listen to that. Just, just go on and do it. So when I, with that process patent in hand, I can't, uh, here in Austin, HomeAway wanted to talk to me because now there was, it was getting a little bit of press about it. I was asking enough people. I was making enough noise. They wanted to hear about it. So I can't, went in there, and they just kept talking about ROI. Everybody wanted to invest. ROI this, ROI that. And I said, well, you know what? You've only got about five, five years until the wheels fall off this bus. So you guys need to stop thinking about the return on the investment. The return on the investment is sitting in this room. And the children that they can have, that's your return on the investment. So I never lost that type of energy. I don't, I, you can ask the guys who work in my company and work with me, I'm not about the money. I'm all about the mission. So as, we, as this was going on, we had to do this pilot project down at Trinity. So I got that first patent got someone to invest in the company, and then I went to the, I flew to Spain, and I, I tell you what, the, when I first got to Spain, I had to talk to this guy. He was grueling me like I was some spy. Like, how did you know about this? How do you know to do this? I said, dude, I saw a little machine, and then I saw your ad for this big machine, then that's why I'm here. He goes, nobody knows about this technology, blah, 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 blah. I tell you what, I almost jumped on the plane and came back home. But then after we calmed down, I went to my hotel that night, he woke, woke up the next day and I told him, I said, you know, dude, when we were sitting there last night, I wanted to hit you. He goes, I just had to test you because so many people want to steal this technology. I said, I don't want to steal it, I don't want to buy it. So then I was talking to the TCEQ on the phone when I was over in Spain and the TCEQ said, well, Moses, this is a very novel idea. The Army is backing you, and what we're going to do is, when you get back into town, let's have a meeting. I said, I'll tell you what, I can fly back tomorrow, can we meet the next day? And they go, no, 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 Moses, get some rest first. I was really excited when I was talking to him when I found this machine. We turned the machine on in the building one day, and when we turned it on, it had this big diesel engine, the machine was working, it made a lot of noise. But I just noticed when I was in the room, I felt like somebody was sucking my life out of my body. My mouth got dry. My skin started to get dry. My, I was trying to close my eyes, and my, they were wanting to roll over. The air, the moisture was being sucked out of the air in the room. Then I looked in the machine, and I could see water, drop, waters, water droplets forming and filling up, filling up this little tray. We, had, we were in a warehouse. We had sucked all the moisture out of that building. I, I told him, turn that thing off, man. <laughs> my, my mouth was dry. Turn it off. So he turned the machine off. I was so stoked. The machine was really expensive. The investment in my company was minimal, minimal investment that I had to get this done. So something happened, and I remember the, where I was sitting at breakfast, and I was always checking the exchange rate because they were in euros. Then some, I can't remember what it was, some, some conflict we had gotten into, but all of a sudden, 
the value of the dollar just shot up and the euro shot down. And I was looking, I said, oh my God, the price of this machine just dropped in half. So the investor that I had, I got on the phone, I called the guy up and I said, the price just dropped. Bought that thing on the spot. Didn't know the first thing about HVAC, didn't know how to operate it other than how to turn it on. I knew about how generators worked. I knew about pumping and motors and all that. So I had a lot of learning to do. Because this big 20-foot ISO was coming to the States. And it was going to Trinity University. So we were going to do the pilot project at Trinity University. Started the pilot project at Trinity University. And there's a lady, her name is Ursula Perry. And she is a, um, she's a newscaster in San Antonio. So all the students started looking at the project and seeing what was happening. And it started hitting the news. Channel 5, Channel 4, all the news agencies down there were now looking at this process. I didn't know anything about how this thing should work other than that it made water and that this was going to be a solution for the future. I didn't know about water purity or quality or anything. I remember I took a drink one day. Oh, my God. I said, that, that, that didn't feel good. I've got some learning to do. Ursula Perry drank a little bit. She never talked to me again. <laughs> but that's the, that's the process of learning. It's like when the Wright brothers flew a plane, a lot of people flew them and they crashed, but then they never stopped flying planes, and today we have 747s, okay? So what I did, I had got a water quality test done, paid the 6,000 bucks, and I was just shocked. I wanted to cry. I thought, I thought the world was crushing down around me. I said, this thing is terrible. But I had not taken it apart. I didn't know what was on the inside. I told him, I said, look, I want to stop this thing right now. I need a couple of weeks before we start the start date of my 90-day poly project for the approval for the military in the state of Texas. I need some time. Everybody was gone, it was only me. I took that machine apart. I called my friends, we got the 12 foot ladders, we all stood around it, we took every panel off, everything apart, took the HVAC portion apart, called HVAC technicians. I had that machine laying all over that parking lot between those door, the dorm and that parking lot at Trinity University. I scrubbed every piece of it, covered it down, coated everything with NSF 61 coatings, did every, every last bit, did every bit of bacteria, a place where I thought it could hide, I learned how the water flowed through it, how the air flowed through it. I saw where cold air was coming out, hot air was being wasted, and I redesigned that machine in the parking lot. Just from common sense of what I knew it should do. Never having done that before in my life. I rebuilt a machine in a parking lot that I had never worked with before. I called the guys back to do a water quality test after I let it run for about a week. Knocked it out of park. Exceeds EPA standards. Exceeds World Health Organization standards. Boom. Got fresh, clean water. I said, let's start the pilot project. 90 days later, we had passed. If 25 people would have drank the water, the TCEQ, they made this protocol for my company, AWG Contracting. This system can now be a public water system in the state of Texas. Nobody knows that. If you own a system, if you own a system, if you own a system and you run it for 90 days called the TCEQ, get a board certified engineer to, to handle the whole project, don't touch the machine for the last 30 days through three water quality tests, 25 dr people drink it, 
You are a public water system in the state of Texas. And people in Texas don't even know this. And that protocol was made for my company. So if you got a town of 10 people, you could become an atmospheric public water system. That, I, to me, I think that's pretty monumental. So now that we got all that done, it was time to finish up at Trinity and move to Camp Mabry. I moved to Camp Mabry. Now that I knew what I was doing, I went back to these guys in Spain. I told you, you leave me alone. You guys who know how to build this thing, let me show you how it's done. I built two big machines, shipped them here to Camp Mabry. I was sitting over at Camp Mabry making 15,000 gallons of water a day, pouring it out into a ditch until I made my own river. I stopped counting water at a million gallons. When I got to one million gallons of water by myself with my little Daisy Duke shorts on and my combat boots, yeah, those pictures are out there. <laughs> I was in that parking lot day in and day out making water with these machines, pulling cables, loading up water buffaloes, and completely changed the environment of this place between the buildings. When a KVUE came down there, uh, Andrew Souter, Tisha Coton, they all got an Emmy for this, and I got an Emmy as well. There's a thing that they did called Modern Moses, and it played here in Austin, and they got an Emmy for it. And one day he walked over the door, I got an Emmy for this thing, for this work that we did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And so as the drought was hitting Texas, we're sitting, between, we're sitting over here in the motor pool, and the, every, everything is just lush and green. And then the general came down, he goes, Moses, if you could do anything right now with these machines, what would you do? I said, hey, they just had that water crisis in Flint. I would go over there while I'm waiting for you guys in this military system to start buying some machines from me. Because it takes a long time for the military machinery to work when they want to procure something if it doesn't go boom. And so this thing here was, we're, I was talking to the right people. I should have made it go boom. So I was talking to the right people. And the general came down one day, and when he asked me that, I said, I go to Flint. But we're doing a water quality test that day. The, the LCRA was down there. Justin was sitting at the machine. He was getting some water, and the general goes, well, Justin, what water should we drink? He goes, drink this. Don't drink from the building. That's how clean the water is. He said, drink from the machine. Because whenever you have a test, and this will get to Flint too when I tell you this, whenever you do a test of water quality with this machine, you have to have a benchmark. And here's how you kick everybody's butts. Because this machine is putting water through carbon filtration laced with silver, so it impedes the growth of bacteria. There's no chlorination necessary. And you can remineralize the water. You can tailor the water to what you want. But I like with no minerals in it because I take vitamins, I eat healthy food, so I just want some clean water. But you got to bench test it next to a building. So every time we bench test it next to a building in the military, the building would fail. So then I didn't get the chance to go to Flint yet. So Hurricane Maria hit. That documentary that KVUE did, that hit. So the KVUE documentary is playing. I have a beard, I look the same, I'm walking around town, the KVUE piece was playing, it was really popular, Hurricane Maria just hit, and I was going into Costco, 
Because, oh, that was a plug for Costco. So I'm going into Costco, a lady comes up and she goes, Moses. I said, do I know you? She goes, well, I, saw, I saw you on TV. I want to give you some money. I said, ma'am, I, so I can't take your money. She goes, I, but that machine that we saw on TV, please take that down and help those people in Puerto Rico. Here's some money. I said, ma'am, I can't take your money. When I went into Costco, no, more, no less than 10 people tried to give me money. I'm driving around town, people are like, hey, hey, pull over, pull over. I said, I put my windows up. And then I finally just said, you know, I, I should shave my beard. But people in Austin wanted to give me money to go help people in Puerto Rico. So I had to go talk to my attorneys one day, and they said, you know, Moses, you just have the machines sitting on base. Just let's start, a, start a foundation. So I started a foundation, and today that foundation is, is morphed into the Moses West Foundation. And so what we did was we took enough donations in that I could hijack one of the machines off the base that I built for the Army, and we took that 26,000-pound 20, machine all the way to Puerto Rico, and we sat it on the island of Yankees. The island of Yankees is a rough place. The drug lords live out there. They shoot people. It's dangerous in the sense of crime. And so the, the, you know, the military marshals are there and so forth. There's a little federal installation there. That's a hospital. It's completely condemned. They had the tent set up where we had a Tesla solar array on one side. And when I got there, my water generator was sitting on this side. When we set the water generator up, some preppy guys came from the other side of the building and they said, hey, what is this thing? And I had it running because I needed some water. I needed to drink. I needed some water to take a shower because there was none on the island. So it's the day I got there and pulled the machine out, I started that thing up and I was running it because that thing made serious water. The preppy guys from the other side of the building said, this is amazing. When you finish, come on to the other side of the building. We want to show you something. So after I got it started up, it's making water. The guys that were going to help me, they were over there. I had a military guard. They were all around the machine. I went to the other side of the building. There was a MASH hospital. There were people sick. There were people dying. There were people dying because they drank bad water. One of the guys that, that came to help me, him and his wife lived on the island. This was the nicest guy. And he said, I want to stay here and I want to help you work this machine. He walked away, went down the street, and he fell over dead. This guy was in his 20s. I met people who drank water coming through pipes in the cemetery, and they had to, I, I said, why would you do that? A, a pipe goes underneath the cemetery and comes out the other side. Why would you drink that water? Because there's this thing that happens to your head when you don't have water. You will drink anything after three days. You will kill somebody for a drink after five. If you don't have water, you lose your mind. So when I went to the other side of the hospital, there was a Tesla solar array and a battery. Uh, we looked at each other, and already in our minds, our geeky minds, we already knew what we wanted to do. This was like geek nirvana. <laughs> solar power, battery, water generator, hospital with no power, MASH hospital, all on solar power, my God, this is net zero. This is the holy grail. This is what the whole world is trying to do. And just by accident, 
on this island surrounded by some seriously bad people, we have everything to do net zero. I ordered a cable from the States, a guy named Brad Baumgart, he's an attorney out of Kansas City, donated $7,500, bought the cable, shipped it to Puerto Rico. Uh, Hoot Soul from Lewis Berger went over, cut the hole in the combiner panel, shut, shut down the uh, solar array, everything, shut off, shut off the 460 volts going to the building. Everything was shut down until we put the plug on. Plugged it in, pulled the power back up, I got a hot plug. Turned the power off on the water generator, plugged it in, held my breath, hit the on button, it started. Heard that tick, and then the hum. No diesel generator, and it was pulling more than 500 volts. That thing was cooking. Absolutely quiet. We were making, turning photons into electrons into H2O molecules. We provided water to 15,000 people, free of charge. <laughs> free of charge and all on donations. All on donations. People donated to help that, have that happen. People on the mainland were paying five to ten dollars for a gallon of clean water. Five to ten for a gallon of clean water. We stopped that. People were like, why don't you sell that water? We got the FEMA, FEMA to bring out trailers of two-gallon jugs. We gave the two-gallon jugs because everybody could carry a two-gallon jug, where they couldn't carry, you know, a five-gallon jug. I couldn't carry those anymore. So everybody on the island told everybody, come, there's these trailers. We got, we don't, you don't have to take water today. The water's always going to be here. Then we found a 10,500-gallon tanker that was sitting over in, a, uh, sitting over in the uh, storage yard because we had so much stuff that was being forwardly deployed to help the people of Puerto Rico. And here was a water trailer that nobody was using except the security guards were using it for shade. I felt bad because I was going to take it because they wouldn't have shade. So you guys are going to have to go sit on a tree with the iguanas but I got to get this trailer. So the FEMA director said, yeah, Moses, you can have the trailer. It's a great thing sometimes to be in these disaster areas. It's like in the military when war's going on. It's like, hey, I need to borrow that helicopter. Sure, we got 10 of them, you can have it. <laughs> so they gave me that trailer. So we're driving down the road, in the, driving in the truck, coming over, we dropped the 10,500 gallon trailer off. I added four hours to my day and I filled it up with water. The water that filled that trailer up was the emergency supply for the island in case anything happened. We prepped for another hurricane. I was there all the way until the next hurricane season. The people said, what are you going to do? You're going to stay or you're going to go home? I said, I'm going to stay. So I stayed for the next hurricane season. We provided water. The power is going out on the island, but with the solar array, the water generator working, the hospital was condemned. I shut it down. The MASH hospital was working and still being used. We powered the whole thing. The a power on the island would go out, and we would still have street lights. In our little compound, we had a fence around this hospital. Susan, you can look it up. It's called Susana Centeno Hospital, Vieques, Puerto Rico. There's a fence around it. When you Google it, Google Earth it, you can see that fence. Everything with that fence, within that fence line had power. After that mission was over, I had to come back to the States. Another thing that happened during that mission was people from the mainland came over with pickup trucks. I gave them white jugs too. They filled those up and they took them to the mainland. 
there was a woman on the mainland, and she was from Flint. And her and her husband, they owned some land in Puerto Rico. And her and her husband were sitting on the side of the road one day, and they thought they were going to die because they did not have any water. And some guy drove by in a truck and had the, a white FEMA jug with water, and he was handing them out, and he goes, here's a jug of water. Gave a lady from Flint on the mainland of Puerto Rico a jug of water from one of the worst neighborhoods where the water crisis was hitting them. They cracked open that jug, she tasted the water, and she just said it was the best water she ever had. Her name was Amber Hassan. So Amber came over to where I was on the island, and she said, if you ever finish, when you finish here, if you ever get a chance to get a, one of these machines like this and bring it to Flint, will you do it? And I said, I promise you, I will. But I got to get out of here first. The FEMA director actually told me to go home. I wrote two patents while I was there, too, by the way. When I was there, I designed the machine that the military uses today. I had a lot of time on my hands after I taught everybody how to use the machines. So I sat underneath the, I sat underneath the machine, because now it was quiet. Now that it was on solar, that diesel generator was off. So if you see these pictures of me and I've got these headphones on my head, I, wore those, I started wearing those headphones because the generators, they're, they're Bose noise dampening headphones. And I started wearing those because I got tired of the generator sounds. I sat underneath that water generator and I designed the machines that the military uses today. I'm the only contractor in the United States that build, builds atmospheric water generators for the United States military. I just finished five of them, and on this trip here, they're delivering five to Camp Mabry, and there's three that I need to service, that I need to ship back to my base where I work in Illinois. And that was designed when I was sitting under a machine in Puerto Rico. The, the FEMA director told me, he says, you can't die. He goes, you look bad, you don't have much food, you work too much, and you can't do, you, it, he said it's called caregiver syndrome. He goes, when you don't know when to stop giving, and then you just die. And I think it comes from being, um, I think it comes from being a ranger, because we never leave anybody behind, uh, even when they're down. Uh, we still carry them when they can't operate. It still hurts me inside. So, I came home, and I had one machine left, one machine left. I, I tuned that machine up, and I took that machine to Flint, Michigan. We serviced the whole neighborhood of Flint, Michigan. I said, told the press, I said, I don't want any press. I got to connect with the people in the town. They got to know how to operate this machine, and they got to know that it belongs to them, and it's here for the community. It's not here for any notoriety. It's here to save lives. So we supplied, second time, for the, one of the worst contamination events in the history of the United States is Flint, Michigan. And I'm telling you, they're not telling you the truth. What I saw was incredible. When I put that machine on the ground and people came up to get water, I saw kids who stood in the shower whose hair came out, who had scars all over their head because that water ran down them. I don't know what was in that water. 
People took a shower and it, it atomized the stuff that was in the water. They breathed it and guess what happened? They died. Hundreds of people died from taking showers because it turned the stuff into like a mister. You know how when you miss something, it missed the chemicals and the contaminants. You, you, like when it, if, all the, if all the power goes out and you need to get water, the last place you go to get water is from where? We, t- we learned this in the military. We learned this as rangers because we always got to seek out water. The place where we'll never drink water from is a hot water heater. Once a hot water heater goes cold, you drink that water, you're going to die because that's where all the bacteria is going to grow. Every temperature range where it can grow is there. Anything that was in the water is going to grow. So those people in Flint, that was horrible. Dr. Les Shepard, he's our scientific, he's, he's my scientific advisor. He's my Bonavides. He's the, he's the guy from Los Alamos. Dr. Shepard, I was on the phone one night, and I said, I got to call Les and tell him how it's going. He came out to visit. He came out to visit in Puerto Rico as well. Uh, I was on top of the machine. I'd seen so much. I'd been there for three days. I broke down and cried like a baby. I was, people brought their kids up, and there would be 20 kids standing there, and they wouldn't move. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. They wouldn't move. They couldn't move. They were zombies. I would walk around between these little kids, and they would just kind of slowly turn. I I would move a little boy this way and just leave him here, and he would stay right there. Then people started bringing their kids to me because they trusted me, and they'd say, hey, will you watch my kids? And I'd say, yeah. And they were so easy to watch because they couldn't do anything. They're brain dead. They're damaged. And and I I, I saw endless streams of them as I sat there at the corner of Saginaw and Marengo, pumping water out and giving it free. And people donated and donated, and we got more bottles, and we got more fuel, and we ran this system. These are the types of things that we can do with this technology. That's two deployments. Then we deployed one to Sand Branch, Texas. And then we took one down to Jackson, Mississippi. A girl in Jackson, Mississippi, she turned the water on, and people looked at her picture and said, that is just the most amazing picture to see her face as this water was pulled out of the air. So those are just some of the stories of what I've done to get here. And so right now, I've got larger contracts coming with the military. That's a great, that's a great business model. But my heart is in my foundation, the Moses West Foundation, saving people's lives. There is not any reason. You know, it rained out here today. That humidity outside is horrendous. If I had a machine sitting outside right now, that machine would make 2,200 gallons of water off of solar power, sitting right outside. If you had them in every disenfranchised neighborhood around the city right now, they would be making water. The next step of what I'm doing, the humanitarian work is good, and I need to train some younger people to do it. I'm getting a little long in the tooth. I've got more patents to file. I've got more innovative ideas on how to make this thing even larger. I've designed it now to a place where it's expandable. Nobody else in the world can make a water generator the size of this convention center, but I can. I, I can build a water generator as big as this room that will operate on less power 
than the ones I make for the military today that fit in the bed of a pickup truck. That is infinite water. That is infinite water because look, water comes in what? Three forms. Liquid. Boom. That's how it exists. How do you get it out of solid form? Melt it. How do you get it out of liquid form? You pump it. You scoop it. How do you get it out of the gaseous form? South by Southwest, Technology Expo, engineering, design. That's how you do it. You engineer the hell out of this stuff. That's free water right there. And you're looking at a guy that's been doing it for 10 years. Now, somebody in the military knows what's going on because they're buying them and they're keeping me busy. I need for this on the foundational side of the house to be in your hands because right now we've got a massive problem. And the massive problem that I was thinking about years ago, the massive problem is climate change. If anybody's telling you, oh, we're on the edge of climate change, we're about to go over, no, we're in it. This stuff is killing us. There are billion dollar disasters. Why are the banks failing? Why are the banks failing? What, what, what's happening? Climate disasters. Insurance companies can't keep up with the crap that's happening. California right now is a mess. You got 200% you got 200 snowpack up there, guys. Guess what's going to happen in a couple of weeks? Snowpack is going to melt. That's like 70%, 80% of our fruits and vegetables here in the United States. When that snow melts, where's that water going to go? Come on, man, it's just simple, just simple science. It's coming down to the valley. Somebody in the United States government right now should be telling some people down in San, jo San Joaquin Valley, pack up, get out of the valley. This is like Noah. This, this information is there. Look at our ocean. Look at how high it's rising. All the people that live in Hawaii right now, their water their, is full of salt. Along the coast, we ha we're having desalination plants come inland because water is getting too salty because the ocean's rising. That monster called climate change is here. Up in Illinois, where I live, all the corn that we grew, all up in Ohio, all up in there that floats down the Mississippi River, guess what? It can't float down the Mississippi River because the Mississippi River's too low. A lot of the corn that we grew is still sitting up there. I know, I live there. The silos are still full. What do we have going on right now? We've got a war happening. We've got a lot of people running around rattling sabers. Hey, I'm a Cold War soldier. I used to be an atomic demolitions and munitions officer. I used to jump out of an airplane at high altitude. I can talk about it now. I'm retired. It's been so many years. And my security clearance is over. So I can tell you what my job was. One of them. I was to jump out of an airplane with a nuclear weapon strapped underneath my parachute right here, about the size of a kitchen garbage can. And my job was to blow up bridges in Germany. That's an atomic demolitions and munitions officer. That was a job. So I know the Cold War and what we're looking at. So right now, all of our food, a lot of the world's food, is sitting over at a place called the Ukraine. It's hard for it to get out. California's in trouble. The Mississippi River's low. But look, we always want to think about the negative. Now, if you're sitting up here out there and think I'm talking about something negative, 
I am. But if you're going to talk about something negative, have a solution. Don't always be a Debbie Downer. I have the solution. The solution is right outside. You're looking at one part of it, and you're feeling another part of it. One part of it that you're looking at is that sun coming through the window. The part that you're feeling is the humidity in the air. Sun, water, food. Anywhere, at any time, any neighborhood, you can produce water using solar power, and you can grow food in a greenhouse. And guess what? No matter what the temperature is outside, a greenhouse does what? It gets warm because that's what's called the greenhouse. Generator operates in the greenhouse, and that's what I'm doing right now in Illinois. I'm making a system that will eliminate the food desert in the United States. When I went to the, um, I got an award from uh, the uh, King Foundation. I barely found that thing. And on Instagram, I was looking, it's like sometimes I was like, oh, just let me go check because so many people write. And I said, who is this? They said, there's something about something in Atlanta. It was Dr. Bernie's King, Martin Luther King's daughter. And I was like, I, I wasn't putting it together. And then I gave it to a guy, and he said, hey, Moses, you should go to this thing. And I was surprised when I got there. So I got an award from the Martin Luther King Foundation, the beloved community for humanitarian work. I cried my eyes out when I saw this chair I got to sit in. Yeah, I'm a big sook, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you. And so I was talking to Dr. King, and I said, you know, she mentioned something about the food desert. I said, you know, I've been thinking, Dr. King, I've been thinking about the food desert myself. I said, I got a way to, to solve the problem. And she goes, okay. So when I went back, I said, you know, I've got to build a machine for Jackson, Mississippi, so I had to raise, try to raise $250,000 to do that. And now I've got to build a machine to help eliminate the food desert. I don't want to go to any more disenfranchised neighborhoods and work. What I want to do is I want to build something close to where I live so that everybody can come and see and learn how to do it. And so I can build you a system wherever you need it. So right now, I'm building a system that will eliminate the food desert globally. <laughs> There's no such thing as a food shortage. There's no such thing. As long as we have seeds, as long as we have sun, as long as we have air, as long as we have moisture in the air. I've been doing it for 10 years. I've been doing it in some rough places. So I always call it good deeds and bad places. When I got hurt during the war, there was a guy that saved my life, and he had this tattoo in, in uh, Latin on his arm. And I said, dude, that thing really looks cool. I said, what does it say? He says, good medicine in bad places. And I never forgot. What we do with the foundation is we do good deeds in bad places. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, can, I, can we show them the uh, picture of what the machine looks like? Yes. Yeah. Does anyone, does anyone, is there anyone with like one question we have time for, or, or maybe two? If anyone wants to come and ask a question. I know y'all got to ask a question. Any questions? It's, it's good.
Tetra Pak. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, that process was, is, you know, it's cumbersome and expensive. Very. And, yes. And so I just so appreciate seeing this. It means so much to me. And like when you said my question, I don't know, I just have comments. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm overwhelmed right now. But like, so one machine, like when you bring it somewhere, how many gallons did you say it can generate? 1,200, 2,200. Is that uh, a day or? A day. A day. And that guy right there does around 1,000 liters a day. 1,000 liters. So oh, I'm sorry. 5,000 5, liters, five to 10,000 liters. Okay. And this is 1,000 liters. Okay, so if you wanted to purchase, like a, I, I would just love to talk to you more about that, but like when you, like how much it would cost to, to purchase one and, and like to set up, like if somebody said, hey, let's do a project together, like, you know, how much would that cost to, to get one? Ha I guess have you build one, right? And have me, have me build one. Have the, uh, build one like this would be uh, right now $89,500. I built everything here in the United States. Nothing is built overseas. I use union labor, and one thing is, is what I like to do is I like to make sure that the kid, the guys that work for me can send their kids to college yes, yes. as they do this work. Yes, yes. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. In the United States, nightclubs and concert venues are not obligated to give out free tap water to patrons. This is illegal in many other countries such as Australia and England. What will it take to create a policy change that will improve the safety and welfare of customers of these various places? What would it take to change that policy? Or, no, 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 not change a policy, more like create one. Because right now, in the United States, there's no like law or something that like, you know, tells like, you know, nightclubs or concert halls that's mandatory to get out free tap water like there is in Australia and the UK. Make your own water. Make your own water. You can do with it what you want. Yeah, it's just like the, the, the same way people, the, the same way that people make stuff and sell it, you, you, we've never ever had the opportunity to be, to be able to make your own water. Who makes water? But everybody needs it. I tell you what, if I was still drinking, I don't drink. But if I did, I would have, a, I'd put my own machine out, I would hook it up to a distiller, and I'd be making moonshine. Because you gotta have a good source of water. When you go down to Alabama or Georgia, where I'm from, a good moonshiner always has a good source of water. So whatever you do, whether you're making preserves or anything, you've got to have a good source of water. And that's one thing we're always thinking about buying it. Change the paradigm. Make your own. Make it for you and your neighbors and never stress about buying another bottle of water or what's in the water for your kids. No, they can't push back now because they can't push back against me now because what I did was I stayed on the download. I ran right underneath them and I went to the federal government. So the federal government, I'm a federally approved. So you can't push against that because you're state and local. Not until they get up high enough to buy somebody off. I'm good to go. I'm federal. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, definitely shout out to you like a like a real life Mr. Freeze, you know, pulling water out of the oxygen and utilizing it for good. So definitely thank you for that. We definitely could have used these um, in February of 2021 in Houston. And then also last February here in Houston, when we had a freeze, no one had access to water. So definitely shout out to that. Um, as you, I know you're using, you're utilizing solar energy to be able to power them. Is there any future plans to be able to continue to use the solar, the solar energy to power them, but also using the water that you're generating, turn it into hydrogen? hydrogen. Yes. Absolutely. There's a lot of companies right now that want to use my machine for hydrogen power because it's so clean. The water's so clean. If you could flip a slide and they, so they can see how it makes water, I want to show you something real quick. These are the ones I just built for the military. One, that's them packed up, getting everything going out. That's the machine there. And one more slide. I think we'll have it. Okay, th that was inside the machine as it's making water. Could you go back one? Okay, hit play. This is on the inside of the machine right here. And that whole top part, this is actually inside the building. So what you're seeing right here, this is a first, this is a test run inside of a building in the middle of the winter. So we, we turned it on in the building just like it's to make sure how everything's working. That's really, that's incredible. That's 40, 40% humidity. It's just 40 or 45% humidity. Because uh, you can see how what the humidity is. That's 40% humidity. 40. Can you imagine what you're going to get at 70 or 80? And this is in the middle of winter humidity. inside of a building. What's the sound on that? 100%. And then on the next one, there's one where the water's coming out. There we go. <laughs> in the shop, that, that little yellow thing, that's a gas, that's a gas pivot, but we were just doing testing right there. Look, that, that's it. And I can make that machine as big as this room, guys. Oh, and by the way, so you, you said the thing about not having water in Houston and San Antonio. I talked with my guys who, um, who I trained with these machines in the military. They were fine. They were fine. I need for you all to be fine. This, this is it's past time for this to happen here. The Chinese are doing this. The Japanese are doing this. We do not have a water problem. We have a technology problem. And we have a political problem. But this is, this is a solution right here. All right, guys? Thank you. One thing. I address the UN General Council next week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got invited by, oh, I can't even remember his name, man. I got, I got invited by the, uh, the, uh, the United Nations and uh, sustainability goal number six, there's 17 tenets of sustainability. Um, Moses West, Moses West Foundation and AWG contracting is actually stated in goal number six. So all I can say right now is my mom is very proud of me. <laughs> Make sure you go to Moses West Foundation. He's here if you guys want to talk to them afterwards. Thank y'all so much for coming out. We'll see you around.